The Utah Utes and Oregon State Beavers are set for a fun showdown on Saturday, but which Utes on both sides of the ball could be in for big games? We're talking about on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We do greatly appreciate it. Appreciate your subscriptions and likes on YouTube as well, as well as feel free to comment. We would love to interact with you guys on social media or YouTube in general. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKDOWN and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Excited to be joined for today's show by Michelle Bakken. Michelle, this is a game for the youths where, look, this is a decent Oregon State team. We just saw what they did versus the Trojans, nearly beat them. But I still feel good about Utah's chances coming into this one. I think there's a reason you see Bet Online has this game as a 10-point spread. I, I think there are a couple of reasons maybe why that is. I, I, I still think it probably will end up be a, being a closer game than maybe most anticipate. Uh, and maybe especially like towards like the beginning of the season, I think this Oregon State team has proven to be much better than a lot of people were expecting. I, I think one of the things that, you know, maybe worked in Oregon State's favor last week was, I mean, A, being home. They're always so much better at home, mm-hmm. as is kind of almost anyone. Uh, and, and the other part is, I think, a little bit of an element of surprise. I don't think anybody really knew just how good they could be. And I think they caught USC off guard a little bit. Uh, Utah, you know, from past experience last year, knows all too well that Oregon State uh, is kind of for real. And, and again, they kind of shots fired across the nose last week with USC. So I, I don't know that anyone's taking them lightly anymore. And so, you know, just those couple of things off the top of my head are, are a reason why the, the line might be a little bit more than it was last week. Yeah, and you mentioned something else as well as this team struggles on the road. I mean, they were one and five on the road. So it's it's definitely something that's been well documented as well. So it's, I think, why Utah is heavily favored in this one, as you kind of talked about as well. And, you know, looking at things first from the offense perspective, we're going to be going on both sides of the ball and talk about who we think is in for a big game in this one. And last week I was really high on the running backs. I, I think I was bold enough to say I thought we'd have three guys kind of re- repeat what they did versus Stanford last year. I just thought with the way, I mean, you look at Eastern Michigan gave up over, they gave up over 500 yards to Eastern Michigan mm-hmm. as you did. So I thought they were going to be for a big day. There was a lot of things going on with Tavion. I mean, you even have a new running back basically with Jaquindon. So there's just a lot of things that went in there, Uh, but I do think the running backs are in for another big day. Personally, I think Tavion's in for a bounce back performance. I think we're going to see him go for something around. Honestly, I think he will go for two touchdowns. I think he'll go for over a hundred yards as well. And I do think Makai Bernard finally finds the end zone again. It's been a while now and he he keeps getting close. He keeps getting Utah down inside the five ever since that Florida game hasn't quite been able to cross the goal line. So in total though, I think Tavion goes for a hundred. Like I said, the running backs will combine for three touchdowns to me in this one. Cause I don't think, I don't trust OSU's front seven. It's something we've been talking about throughout the week on this podcast. I feel like it's the weakness of this defense versus the secondary is actually pretty strong for the Beavers. So I think Utah gets it done on the ground and as a team rushes for over 300 yards again. 
that's that's pretty bold. I would like to see that that the run game's been a little bit slow this year so far for Utah, uh, especially considering the guys that they were bringing back. You know, as it's come about, you, there there have been some issues with Tavion, and we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, Makai Bernard also has his own set of issues with the cramping that apparently is a thing for him, which is like so too bad. Uh, but man, when he gets in, he can be a real explosive force, just like Tavion tends to be. And then, as you mentioned, they have this kind of new new toy in, in the running back room. And I think anybody that's kind of around this program a lot, like they've heard the buzz about him. Uh, Jack Winden has received a lot of buzz. He's received a lot of praise. Uh, I've, I've heard nothing but utmost confidence in what he will eventually be able to do. And so I think we see him take a step forward this week as well. Uh, you know, I, I think some other people that potentially could be in for a big game, I think, yes, like Oregon State's defensive backfield is fantastic and, and it's really going to test some people. But I think, you know, someone like Devon Bailey has an opportunity to have a really big game just from the standpoint of Utah's going to have to figure out how to fill Brant Keithy's shoes. And, and while, yes, I think Thomas Yasmin is going to fill in, in in some regard in that area, I think it is going to be kind of by committee. And I think, you know, some of these receivers are going to have a lot more expected of them. Uh, I think a guy like Makai Bernard, honestly, is going to have a lot more expected of him. Uh, and, and and honestly, eventually, I, I think they start using Jaquindon in, in a little bit of that role. I don't know that they throw that on him quite yet. I think they need to let him get more comfortable with the running back situation. But as he starts finding comfort in that, I can see a scenario where there's some wrinkles in there where maybe he helps kind of, again, fill Brant Keithy's shoes, keep people on their toes, uh, you know, questioning, okay, these guys are out on the field. Why are they out on the field mm -hmm. type of deal? But I, I think Bailey possibly could have a very big game uh, just from the standpoint of they're going to have to get something going and Brant Keithy is no longer available to him. Yeah, and that's one thing that is interesting is does Thomas Yasmin then have a big game as well in this one or who are those guys who step up? And I love that you talked about Devon because you look at it as best two games of the season, the previous two games, right? Found the end zone twice at home against San Diego State then had the, the most yards he's had on the season this past week versus Arizona State, I believe, as well. So it's been nice seeing him steadily increase. It'd be awesome to see if he could put those together. And this is a really good test, as you also mentioned, because it's a really good secondary on that other side. And I love that you talked about Jaquindon, because Jaquindon is a guy, his very first carry, I believe, think it was, versus Southern Utah, when he took off for like 26 yards. It was just mm -hmm. one of those, like, it's just a guy who makes plays, just makes things happen. And someone you want to see more of. I've even talked about how um, I just want to see more of the Jaquindon Jackson package, kind of something we saw last year, but then after he fumbled, Utah really went away from that. And it's hard to take Cam off the field. I mean, obviously Cam is so good that mm -hmm. it's just, you want to play like maker like that out there, but man, Jaquindon does so many different things. And I'm glad he's being used at running back now. And you mentioned there's so many ways you can just use a guy who is electric like that. But you talked about Devon. I think we both feel Devon is going to lead this team in catches. Who do you think is going to be, do you think it will be Dalton or do you, is there someone else in there too? Do you think who surprises us? And maybe he's not even second in catches, but just has a big game on the outside. I, I, I would kind of suspect it's going to be Dalton again. I think, I, I think eventually Thomas Yasmin can also 
grow and 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 fill fill that void a little bit but it's going to be a matter of letting guys get their toes wet right and so I think you go with the people that you kind of already know are established and understand what to do and, and you gradually keep increasing the responsibility for someone like Thomas Yasmin for someone like Jaquindon Jackson uh so so I think those guys are maybe going to come down down the road and it's not to say that they're not going to do some really big impressive things but I I just don't think they're going to be relied on heavily enough to have like a huge game just yet uh but I if if I were to venture a guess I think Dalton probably is the next guy up behind Devon maybe you see like a Solomon Enos uh or or like a Money Parks even that guys that are just a little more established in in what's expected of them yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think it's a lot to ask, as you as you mentioned, just in that first game for these guys to have a 50-yard gain. Like, and I don't doubt that a guy like a Money Parks can make a two plays in his game that go for even 40 yards, but I just don't think you'll see him as a consistent presence moving throughout the game as well. But either way, this offense, look, Oregon State, it's a strong secondary, as we said, front seven, a little bit weaker. So this offense has opportunities to move the ball. And of course, they're at home, which means they get to op- operate under silence pretty much. And that's where it's going to be a lot tougher for Oregon State's offense. And we're going to talk about how they're going to try to deal with that in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about underdog this episode is brought to you by underdog fantasy the easiest place to spice up the college football season guys underdog fantasy is super easy you guys make sure you go over into their pick'em website for this weekend there are lots of great opportunities there head over to see what you're feeling about the youth if you think cam rising is going to have a big day if you think tavion thomas is going to have a big day as well so make sure you guys head over to underdog fantasy it's easy to play and available in over 30 states just pick between two and five players across any team not just your team, any any combination of players, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold hard cash in a single game. Sign up with promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. That's Locked On, one word, all caps. So once again, Locked On for the promo code. Deposit one hundred, get a free one hundred. Go to UnderdogFantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store. And as well as just head over to Underdog, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. Get in on college football pickup action today. So jumping back into this, Michelle, um, Utah's defense has been outstanding since the Florida game. Absolutely incredible. And they faced their best test since that first matchup once again. And the Beavers like to run the ball. They have a strong rushing attack. We saw how well Utah did defending the run a week ago as well. So I'm excited to see. And this this, this is a Utah team as well, where if they stop the run, Oregon State's going to press. And Chance Nolan threw four interceptions last week versus USC. So I think if you can get this team in third long, second long, all those things, that helps aid you as well. This is a game where I do feel like Utah is going to have some success stopping the runs. I think we're going to see guys like Junior Tafuna, Van Fillinger, the rest of that defensive line, who just keeps making better, making strides and strides. Love that they're rushing Gabe Reed on the interior a couple plays as well. That's just something you see a lot of NFL teams do, and I think it's really effective when they decide to do that. And he can still get it done on the outside, of course, when needed to. But um, just every really everyone's been playing so well. It's kind of hard for me to pencil someone in. I mean, if we're going to go, who do I think is going to be the defensive MVP? I'm just going to go with the safe bet and say Cole Bishop right now. I think Cole Bishop is outstanding. He just got a nose for a football like a linebacker. He's, I mean, we saw with that interception. He's got great skills to be a DB still too. So you got to go with Cole Bishop. I feel like is the biggest guy, I, and he's the safest bet to me to once again lead this team in tackles because I expect him to be playing in the box a lot because your priority when you're playing Oregon State is to stop the run. 
Yeah, I, I think he's kind of been the hottest hand for Utah on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you mentioned Junior Tafuna, uh, Van Fillinger, also kind of guys that have been carrying a big load. Kareni Reed is another guy that has played exceptionally well, I feel like, since Florida. Uh, so so there's a lot of uh, Clark Phillips. Uh, you know, there. I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have really stepped up since that Florida game and made their presence known. I, I, this game is going to be interesting because I actually do think we're finally going to know for sure, for sure, if Utah solved their run defense issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's still a little questionable. I don't think they faced anyone that's been terribly great running the ball. That's one thing that Oregon State kind of hangs their hat on is they, they typically have good running backs. Uh, I know it's a little different for them this year. It's a little more by committee, but they still have really good players at that position. Uh, and it's still a big part of what they try to do. So, you know, that's going to be a big deal this week for Utah. And so I, I think that front seven is really going to get tested. And again, we're going to see if those issues have been solved, if if they are more assignment sound, if they tackle well, uh, you know, take the right angle, uh, make the right decision. Don't leave it up to the running back or excuse me, the linebackers to then have to try and clean up, which then leads to the safeties in the corners having to clean up. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Again, that was a really impressive performance last week. The Arizona State is just not very good no. running the ball. So uh, I'm curious to see how that goes. I think I do agree with you. You know, you go with the hot hand, the hot hand, the particularly hot hand has been Cole Bishop. Yeah, he's gotten just such an incredible story, too, just from where he came from as well. It's so much fun to watch him go out there and succeed. Really seems like a great guy as well in the brief interactions that I've just had with him. And, you know, for this Utah defense as well, we didn't think Clark Phillips was even going to play last week. He gets his first interception as well. I think it's interesting to see with this one, unless I missed anything, Michelle, I didn't see any updates on the health of Diabate going into this one. So it would be interesting to see if he does come in and play. How do you think he kind of factors into the rotation now? And do you feel like we're going to see him on the field a lot still? Or do you feel like they're going to kind of roll with Karene and Lander a lot and kind of, I mean, there's still going to be times they need three linebackers on the field. Yeah. We've seen Andrew Mataafa play, but I just wonder if when you do need those just base two linebackers out there a lot, I wonder how often Diabate is going to be out there if he is healthy. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I know Whittingham was hopeful that he'll be back. Uh, so it, it sounds like they thought he would be back last week it, it, and they decided still a little too soon. It sounds like they're feeling really good about him being back this week. So, uh, and, and I mean, they've kind of said he's a guy that they want out on the field. So I expect him to play. I'm, I'm not entirely sure how he factors into that. I don't know if he's just part of the rotation that helps keep guys fresh. I don't know if it's that they choose to move more to a three linebacker set or, uh, or if he replaces a Lander or a mm-hmm. Kareni in the lineup with just two. Uh, that that will be really interesting to see, especially again since it, we didn't actually talk about Lander, but Lander has been doing really well as yes. as well. Uh, so you know, do do you take Lander and or Kareni off the feet off the field and put Mo in? Uh, I, I I think it's just a, a matter of 
they have it. The more options you have, the better, right? It keeps you fresher. It helps eliminate injuries. Uh, it allows you to do interesting things if you're seeing specific things out on the field, because uh, maybe someone has a strength that works more to a look than another guy does. Uh, and so, I you, long run is having Diabate back is good for Utah. It's another option. It's another freaky athletic guy that can go out there and and just cause some havoc yeah and it's, it's all you need and you need guys like that out there honestly and we even saw versus it's not like he wouldn't have played well over these past three games versus southern utah before he got hurt he made two of the last three tackles and a couple of those were in impressive fashion as well the very first defensive play of the game he flies down takes on the polling i think it was the center pulled and then also made the tackle as well then you look at a couple of plays after the first down i think jt Broughton got called for pass interference which extended the drive he's the one who flies in and absolutely just levels the running back usually when you see a running back tackle he gets a couple of yards Diabate just blew him back. So I'm excited to see him get back out there as well. And this, like we talked about, this is a Utah defense riding high. So it's going to be fun to see if they can step up to the challenge. And just speaking up a step, speaking of stepping up to the challenge, Michelle, just for this game as well, it's prediction time. So I feel like this Utah team, like I said, I'm feeling good. And we're going to talk about the spread in a little bit, but I feel good about that as well. I do feel like Utah is going to take this one and I'm going to go 32, 20. Okay. Yeah, I I think Utah takes this one as well. I think they're going to get Oregon State's best shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this team is going to, you know, fold or, or lay down. Uh, I think the score difference probably would have been a little bit bigger, in my opinion, if this was a night game versus a day game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so I think it is going to be a little bit closer. I'm okay with that 10 point spread. I, I think it will be close for a good part of a good part of the day. I think Utah will eventually wear them down. Uh, so score wise, like 31. Deep think mode. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. 31, 20, like 24. I like it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I could see this game going a multitude of ways. I wouldn't be, I would be surprised. I will say if Utah only won by three points, but I think like them having to go like this still being a game in the fourth quarter is completely on the table. And I think even the last five minutes, like I expect this to still be competitive at least or Oregon state to still have a chance, like whether that is Oregon state's down by 10 or even a 15 and they have the ball with five minutes left and they're in tempo trying to march down the field. This is not going to be the case as it was with all the other games as we talked about as well. And because of those Oregon state troubles as well, we do, I do expect Utah to be ready. And I think one other thing I'll touch on with this game, Michelle, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is just talking with the team versus the San Diego state game. I just remember how much these guys talked about. They remember last year and they were motivated by last year. And not only does this team still have a chip on their shoulder because of the loss versus Florida, which they deem a failure and they also remember last year's game. And when you have so many guys who were on last year's team, I think they remember what that felt like. And that's why I have the confidence in them to go out there and get it done. But do you kind of sense that same vibe from this team still? That That's such a cliche to say, oh, they have a chip on their shoulder. But I feel like these guys really do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think they, I, I think they know that one, they, they came up short and I'll even, I'll even go with the Rose Bowl again. We all talk about how great that Rose Bowl was uh-huh. and it really was a great game. But when you're, on the losing end of that great game, it doesn't matter that it was a great yeah. game. It, it was a failure. And so that, you know, that's kind of how they've looked at it. And then, you know, not being able to handle business in Florida. 
uh, I, you just go back. They left points on the, on the board. Like that game shouldn't have been close at all uh, between the defensive woes, uh, not getting the stops that they needed. And then of course, you know, the offense just kind of stalling in the red zone a couple of times. Uh, If the game had gone how Utah, I think is capable of playing, this would be a completely different story. Uh, we would be talking about something completely different right now. Uh, and then, of course, yes, as as you mentioned, like nobody's forgot that they fell short to Oregon State. Uh, I, I don't think anybody's taking this team lightly there. Like I said, they know that they're good. And it's going to be a really interesting battle, right? Because I think Oregon State's very disappointed that they came up short against USC. So they're going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, and wanting to prove that they can take down one of the big dogs uh, in the league this year. But Utah also has kind of that chip on their shoulder. Like, you know, we can't lose another game. We lost this game last year. We need to prove that we're better than these guys. So I, I think there's a real interesting dynamic, I think, brewing with this particular game just because of some of the things that have taken place. And that game last year, if you look back on it, I really think, look, Utah still would have been in the Rose Bowl, um, regardless of if they, even if they won that game, but they would have been a much higher ranked team as well, because I think everyone would have looked at it and went, this is a completely different team with Cam Rising. The Cam Rising led Utes had one loss last year. That was to the Beavers. So I think that would completely change, would have changed things as well in terms of a ranking for Utah. And it's an opportunity for them to continue to raise and elevate that ranking as well this Saturday versus Oregon State. And you know what, Michelle, since we've been hitting this game so much, figure we'll start here as well for our best big game bets of the week brought to you by Bet Online. And for this one, like I said, we've been talking about this Utah game so much, but it's still one that's worth mentioning. I, I still think Utah will win by the 10 points. So I do have Utah covering in this one, the spread. And I think it sounds like based on your prediction, you do feel like it's going to be a little bit closer than that 10 point spread, right? I think it could be uh, again. I, and you kind of mentioned it as well. There there's a couple of different scenarios I can see playing out here. And it's, it's really just, again, because of the dynamics of both of these teams coming into this game. Uh, I, I, I think something interesting or maybe even slightly unexpected could happen. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see as well. I think one of the other games I'm keeping my eye on as we keep this segment rolling is Texas A&M taking on Mississippi State. Mississippi State favored, excuse me, A&M favored in that one by three and a half. And this is an A&M team that's got a huge win over Arkansas. So I feel, I do feel good about Jimbo's group to keep it going versus Mississippi State. I mean, we all love uh, Mississippi State and what comes with them, of course. But I, I just feel like AM, when you look at it, especially with the way their defense is playing right now, I do have AM in this one. AM is another team that I feel like has a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they kind of failed massively uh, with their loss a couple of weeks ago. Now I don't remember Appalachian, Appalachian State. Okay. I was like, yeah. I'm getting confused which, which one was which. AM uh, fans want to forget it as well. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, you know, when when you go out and you, you work really hard, AKA, I guess you could say buy buy the talent that you bought and then you lay an egg like that. Like, you know, people, people are going to have something to say about that. And so I I think from that standpoint, they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder and I, I don't know that Mississippi state poses the biggest threat to them, but I do think that they'll probably handle business this game. 
Yeah, always fun to watch, especially anytime Mike Leach is on the sideline. I'm always going to be interested to see what ensues there. But Michelle, I like it from the top ropes going at and <laughs> uh, Truth hurts. I think anyone disagrees with you, though. I'll say that as well. I mean, I feel the same way. I know there was that whole scandal that blew up and everything there, but I mean, it's, there's a lot of money involved. <laughs> yeah, there, there. I, however you want to put it, that there plain and simply was a lot of money involved. And when there's a lot of money involved, it means that there's a certain expectation for uh-huh. what performance looks like. And whether you want to say they bought them, whether you want to say it was a pure and simple NIL deal, whatever it is, there's still an awful lot of money involved. And when there's an awful lot of money involved, you expect results. And there were not results. So 45 four-star athletes to one for Appalachian State was the number. So that's where it's crazy. <laughs> but moving on and looking at next game, we got to talk about is Clemson versus NC State. Clemson's been rolling to start the season as well. DJ Uyunglele just played his best game of the season. And I know NC State has a strong team as well, but in this one, I am going to ride with Clemson at minus six and a half. I, I just feel like they're going to go in, get another win, continue to show that for at least for now, they are one of the top five teams in the country. I really trust that defense for Clemson, especially as well. And I just think it's only a good thing that DJ continues to play better. And I think this could be another confidence boost. And look, he's got a really talented freshman QB nipping at his heels as well. So he's got to continue to play well. Or we could see a two a Jalen Hurst situation playing out down there. Uh, this is an interesting game to me. I don't know that I feel particularly great about one or the other. I know I picked Clemson in this one just simply because. Uh, I, I don't know that I trust their offense, though. I think their uh-huh. defense is really good, but I, I have some questions about their offense. I just don't know that NC State is quite good enough to, to really expose some of those questions I think a lot of us have about that offense. Yeah, I think that's what will be interesting to watch and see this game. But I, yeah, I still got to feel good about the Tigers, as you talked about. Next one we're looking at is Michigan at Iowa. Michigan, this one favored by 11. And look, this Iowa team's been kind of shaky. Obviously, the jokes about how, I mean, what was the score of the one game they won? Like six to three, either way, just like two field goals, like punts, total Iowa football fashion. But this is an Iowa team that teams come in there, high-ranked teams, and they do lose. So I still think it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. I do think Michigan's going to win this, but I do think Iowa just mucks this game up and I think it is closer. So I am going to take Iowa at plus 11 in this one. I think they do really make this one interesting. And I think the Wolverines struggle a little bit and one of the best atmospheres in college football. And I'll throw on as well, one of the best traditions in college football as well. I love the, I believe it's the second quarter or either way when they do the wave to the hospital as well, just mm-hmm. kind of love what they have going down there at Iowa. I, I agree. I think Iowa makes this game ugly. Uh, I, I picked Iowa to win. This was one of my upset games. Uh, I just, I, I think it's going to be an ugly low scoring game. And I think, you know, Michigan's figured out how to be a little more finesse with how, how they do things there. There's been some talk about, you know, the great athletes that they've had there and the speed and that's kind of what they've been rolling on. I think Iowa's going to punch them in the mouth. And I don't know that Michigan knows how to deal with playing that way right now. So I can kind of see Iowa ugling it up and uh, getting away with a win there. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I won't be surprised at all. And that would be a lot of fun, too. I never, I'm never going to be mad about seeing Michigan lose <laughs> as well. Uh, last one I want to talk about. This one, might, for some people, might be a little on the radar. I think Purdue, Minnesota is going to be a fantastic game. I think this Minnesota team under PJ Fleck, you look at Mahamud, 
Ibrahim, and he is just one of the best running backs in the country. Tanner Morgan has been in college basically as long as it felt like Britton Covey was for the Gophers, and this is a Gophers team as well. I just feel like they're rolling right now. They are minus 12, but I really like Minnesota. I think they are going to be able to get it against Purdue, but I do think Purdue is the kind of sneaky team that could still find a way to cover or even surprise and find a way to win because they're another team. I remember a few years ago, I think it was the Dwayne Haskins led Buckeyes that Purdue just came in and upset and totally knocked them out of the college football playoffs. So Purdue's just one of those teams that always seems to sneak up on you, but I do like Minnesota in this one. I agree. I think, I think Minnesota takes this one, but you got, you got to like those season ruiners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Purdue definitely qualifies as one of those teams that they're going to ruin someone's season. May it, maybe it's Minnesota's. Yeah. I, I don't think it's Minnesota's though. Yeah, it's always interesting to see how it kind of factors in, plays out. And it's going to be another fun-filled Saturday. We can't wait. Michelle, we always appreciate you coming on. What's a couple of things you have going on right now with KSL Sports? Uh, I will be getting my podcast up here in, hey. in the next little bit. Yeah, yay. Um, and just, you know, taking a look at Oregon State, what Utah is going to have to do to to replace some of the production that's going to be lost by Brant Keithy. Again, I don't think this is a doom and gloom situation. Uh, Actually, I think it has the potential to be really good for Utah in a lot of ways. Uh, But yeah, so I'm going to kind of dive into that a little bit. And then I have this really cool interview that I did with Lynn Roberts ahead of um, their Utah celebration of title 50 years of Title IX. Uh, and she sa- had some really interesting things to say about Title IX uh, and what it means to women's sports, as well as, you know, how cool it is that it's getting recognized at a football game where there's a lot of eyes on it. So uh, the, those are kind of some of the things that are coming up for me. That's awesome. Have you said a lot of name? Uh, I'm sorry, what? For the podcast. You said oh, the podcast, name? Crimson Corner. It's the there Crimson Corner. Yes. <laughs> so make sure you guys check out the Crimson Corner podcast whenever that launches, as well as head over to kslsports.com to check out all of Michelle's content. We always appreciate Michelle for joining us. Make sure you guys follow her, as well as our show on Twitter as well. And if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you check out the Locked On Pack 12 podcast, where I'll spend some McLaughlin and other local experts. We'll take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. Lots of fun game previews of another fun week of Pac-12 action and it's going to be a fun Saturday of course Utes taking on the Beavers hope to see you guys out there as well as enjoy another fantastic weekend that's it for today's Locked On Utes but we will see you next week have a great weekend